Let's go to Colossians. We started Colossians chapter 3 with a statement to our hearts from the Lord about the resurrected life. If ye be risen with Christ. And the passage that's before us as we pick up our reading where we left off this morning in verse number 8 is going to talk about our resurrected living. If we are risen with Jesus Christ, then we need to live like it. That's the thrust of the text we're getting into. Since we have the life of Jesus, then his life needs to be manifested as we live. Anybody can say that they're a Christian, somebody needs to see one. And the power of his resurrection needs to be seen. And this text that we're in tonight shows how the power of his resurrection can be seen through our lives. It's almost, if, if you read these verses... It's almost confusing because if you really look at the tense of what he says, you say, well, you just said that, and then so why do I have to do this? But but let's start in verse number 8 together, Colossians 3, verse number 8. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all, and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectness. What a contrast of these lists to the list we saw this morning. And that's what Jesus Christ can do in our lives. He can take us out of fornication and uncleanness and inordinate affections and evil concupiscence and covetousness, and he can place us into kindness and meekness and long-suffering, and charity, and forgiveness. And, but we need to be, we'll have to be a participant in some of these things. And that's what we want to look at tonight. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I just don't want to go through the motions of, of church tonight, and I want to do my duty to the Word of God, to preach it, and to feed your sheep, Lord, and But at the same time, I want you to work in my heart and make these verses a reality in my day-to-day life. I pray, Lord, that the resurrected life of Jesus Christ would be lived in us day-to-day and that you would help us to obey the scripture that we're reading tonight, to put off 
some things and to put on some things. And Lord, may that, may that happen tonight and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. And Lord, we'll praise you for the help you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would look again at the text, I'll show you why it could be a little confusing. He says in verse number 8, he tells us to put off all these. But in verse number 9, he says, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So if I have put off the old man with his deeds, why does it tell me to put off if I've already done that? Is that not a little different? He says the same thing about the new man. Look at verse number 10. And have put on the new man. That's a fact. I've done that. I put on the new man. But then he says in verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God all these things that have to do with the new man. So what gives? What's he talking about? The the best way I can describe this would be the difference between your skin and your clothes. You don't have to put on your skin. It's there. It's there permanently. When God puts your skin on your body, it was put there to stay. But on top of that skin, you're supposed to be putting on some clothes. So God gave you something and then you've got to put on, God put something on you, on your bones, but you've got to put something on your body. Every one of us constantly change our clothes. Some people more than others. And we do it without thinking. Well, some think about it more than others. But When you get out of bed, it would not cross your mind not to put off and put on. You know that you have to do that. So I have have put on the new man. The new man is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, That's a new man that I have. This... That's permanently given to me. Jesus Christ will never leave me nor forsake me. He's on the inside... But I have to put on on that new man on the outside for others to see. I've got to put on the deeds of that new man on the outside. I have the new man. I put him on. But I want his deeds to be shown on the outside of me. And I can wear all kind of clothes. Now some people don't wear clothes at all hardly. That's why every year I almost thank God for wintertime. There's always a blessing somewhere. People have to put on their clothes. But I have been in Romania where, I, I mean, you know, they, 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 they wore stuff all the way up. And, and it's freezing weather. And I thought, well, all right. Be warmed and filled. <laughs> you know, you, you deserve every piece of pneumonia you get. But you're, it's just, it goes without reason. You're supposed to put on your clothes every day. Nobody would wake up and say, oh, I've got to put on my clothes today. Unless you want to be a part of a nudist colony. 
there are some of those. I've had missionary friends that went to the wrong island in Greece and they found that out. <laughs> the whole world is not like Limestone County. Now, you don't get tired of putting on your clothes. But here's the problem. You're saved. Do you get tired of putting on the new man, the clothing of the new man? It takes effort. It takes effort. You know, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a young person that wouldn't put their own clothes on. Now, if you've got some handicap or some infirmity or something, you can't put your shoes and socks on. But hey, if you've got a young kid, you need to teach them to put their own clothes on. Right? I mean, you know, you, you get a kid, he, he's five years old, he still don't know how to put his socks and shoes on. Come on now. They've got to learn for themselves to put their clothes on, right? There's a day they can't do that, but you're trying to teach them to clothe themselves. Well, that's the same thing spiritually. You're not going to wake up in the morning and exhibit Jesus Christ all through the day. You're saved. You have put on the new man, but you've got to put on his clothes. And it takes work and effort, and nobody's going to do it for you. And you can walk right out of the house, not clothed with proper clothing, but improper clothing. And that's what he's talking about. Put off this, put off these dirty clothes, put off these bad clothes, and put on the clothes that go with the new man. It's sort of the same thing as we saw this morning in verse number 5 when he said, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. But in verse number 3 he says, You're dead. If I'm dead, why do I have to mortify my members? Because you're walking around with, with, with a, a flesh still that has to be crucified. And you have to... Be actively involved in dying daily. You've got to be actively involved in putting off. Though you're saved by the grace of God, you have got to take off the stinking clothes. My wife, one of the things that's one of her pet peeves, if I've worked and sweated, some of you are laughing. And, and she cleaned all those sheets. Well, why am I going to jump in a clean bed with dirty clothes? That makes sense. Just going to mess up everything. She worked so hard to make smell good. Guys, we have to change our clothes all the time. And, and we know that because there's something about us that stinks. There's something about us that's dirty. That's why we spend lots of money on washing machines and you put the little things in there to make not just the clothes clean, but make them smell good. We want what's on the outside to be presentable and nice and clean and smelling well. Why don't we do that with our character? Why don't we live the resurrected life in our character? Our nature is set, but our clothes aren't. Our Christian life is permanent. The new man's permanent. But we have to daily change our clothes, the things that come in contact with this world. 
And though the old man is crucified, the flesh is still there. And though the new man is there, there's a question, whose clothes am I going to put on? Which of these men's clothes am I going to put on? When you get up every day, you make a decision. Am I going to put on the clothes of the new man or am I going to put on the clothes of the old man? Now, the old man has already been put off. And before God, I've got a new man. But why would I put on the old man's clothes? If he's dead, why do I keep his clothes around? But that's evidently what's happening in our in our Christian lives so let's watch this together verse number 8 but now put off all these these are things you wake up with in the morning anger oh preacher go back and preach on them and ordinate affection people right Anger. You know what anger is? He he gives three things here we ought to put off, and they're sort of connected, I believe, just like the last three are. He tells you to put off six different types of clothing and put on nine different types, which is a lesson in itself. Here's what we want to say. Well, you know, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I put this off, and I put... He tells you you need to put on a whole lot more than you put off. Oh, that will preach. Well, preacher, I'm all right. Because, no. We got so much to put on and so much to put off. So you wake up in the morning. There's probably going to be something that you're going to get angry about. He uses the word anger. And then he says, put off this, put off wrath. And then he says, put off malice, all those things. We've got to get rid of our bad anger issues. Now, now this is fascinating to me. What did I just preach about this morning? The what? The wrath of God, and then he tells you to put it off. (laughs) You know what that means? That means this. You and I don't know how to get mad right. (laughs) If God has wrath, it's justified, it's right, it's right on target. But you and me... Just put yours off and let him take care of it. If he's mad, there's really no sense in both of us being mad. At everybody. Now, you ought to have a temper. You ought to have some anger about wickedness. I'm not saying that. But every morning, look, guys, people, Christian people, I, I preached this in a missions conference, and I don't even know why I got on it. Why are people so mad about everything? That is not Christianity. Why are they mad at people? Mad at their spouse and mad at their children and mad at their parents and mad at their church members and mad at their neighbors and mad at their co-workers and mad at the world. You wake up with those clothes and you need to take them off and put them in the drawer and shut the door. That's not the way God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to walk around with angry clothes and clothes of wrath and malice. We have people in our church that want to be good parents. You know how to be a bad one? Just don't put off your anger, wrath, and malice. Amen. 
And you can believe everything right and ruin your kids if you don't take off these anger issues. What is the difference between anger, wrath, and malice? Anger is a more simplistic emotion that I think we can wrap our heads around. Wrath is more violent. Now, you, you, you can have violent anger, and it's just inside. We talked about that this morning. You can never hit anybody or lash out at anybody, but inside be filled with wrath. Have you ever noticed these people that go off the deep end and kill all these people violently, and they come back and they say, well, I, I never saw the guy do, or the girl do anything. They're just a person in the community. I never dreamed. But there's wrath on the inside, you see, that really wants to get violent if it had the opportunity. Not just anger, but wrath. As we said this morning, we need to leave that to God. He's got plenty of it. What's malice? Malice is extreme enmity of heart. It's a desire to injure other people. Malice. You, you want to see them hurt. Usually for your own gratification or out of a spirit of revenge, it's extreme ill will toward people. The Lord says, you want to be a good Christian? You want to, you want to live the Christian life? Then just quit being mad at everybody. Take it off. Every, and you got to take that off every day, guys. When you change clothes in the morning, you'll still have to do it the next day. This is the struggle. People get victory for a little while and they don't understand. Every day it's changing the clothes. Every day I put off my anger. Lord, you know I'm mad about this. I'm going to confess my sin. I don't. But here, here it is. I don't want to wear this today. I don't want to go around being mad at my relatives and mad at the world. God doesn't want you to live that way. But you have to put it off. He's not going to put it off for you. You've got to do that. You've got to take those clothes off. Look at it. Hold your finger here and go to Ephesians chapter 4. He says sort of the same things in this chapter of Ephesians 4. You know, I believe that God's people are the best people in the world. But I have lived long enough to say that they are also some of the meanest people in the world. I wish I didn't have to say that. I've seen people scream and holler and fight in church. And <laughs> and then they don't, maybe they don't do it in church, but they do it in the car on the way to church. <laughs> That was a little too quiet right there. I thought you would chuckle. I'm in Ephesians chapter 4. This is the same type of text, what he says in verse number 24, and that you have put on the new man. And then he says in verse 25, wherefore put away lying. He says in verse 
uh, number 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And these are the things he's going to tell you to put on. But here's the thing. You can't put on these wonderful things of the Lord Jesus Christ unless you take off the, the, the bad clothes. You can't put on kindness over top of malice. You can try. But you're going to be all... Weird. And it's not going to work. I've never tried to put two different suits on at the same time. It's not going to work. This is what we do. We, we, think, we think we can just put a little Christianity over the junk and it, it don't work that way. I've got to take that off. I got to quit being, and usually, you know what I think most people are angry at? They're not angry at people. They're really just mad at God. Just mad at God. No, we just need to quit being angry. All around this country this week, there will be people that gather together for Thanksgiving that can't stand each other. And they've got the turkey, and it's glowing, and it's bronze, and they've got the mashed potatoes and the cranberry sauce, and they've got all the decorations and all the fall and all the colors and the table spread, and they sit down, and inside they're thinking, I can't stand her, and I can't stand him. You can dress it up, but you don't need to dress it up. You need to take those clothes off and put them in the drawer. But the only bad thing is, they just jump back on you the next day. But you got to put them back off. <clears throat> so I don't know who you might be angry at tonight, but you can put those clothes off. The Lord will help you. So we've got to get rid of our bad anger issues if we're going to live the resurrected life. <clears throat> so if I want to be like Jesus. Well, just quit being mad at everybody. You know, I've had so many things in my life that could make me mad at people and stay mad at people. I've had people send me the nastiest texts and tell me the worst things you've heard in your life. And threats. And I don't even go home and take a baby aspirin. I'm not going to waste my time being angry at people. I'm just going to forget about it. I'm going to take those clothes and I'm going to put them in the drawer and I'm going to shut the door. Because it's not worth, your life is too short for you to spend it being mad all the time. He says, put that off. Put it off of you. Then he deals with not getting rid of our anger issues with, with our bad tongue issues. You know, of all the things you think God would talk to us about the Christian life that we need to get rid of, and he says you need to get rid of your anger issues and you need to get rid of those tongue problems. 
Look at verse number 8. He says, now that you put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Put off your, evidently, even God's people can be involved in blasphemy. He wouldn't tell us to put it off. There's probably a lot of things that blaspheme God that we don't think about. Not just taking the name of God in vain. There's probably a lot of blasphemous thoughts we have. He says, put off blasphemy. He says, put off filthy communication out of your mouth. Quit your cursing talk. Quit your dirty talk. I, I, I don't have any patience with a dirty, filthy mouth person that says they're saved. It just It's like these, I really believe that this is, this is the dumbest generation that has ever lived. Because their vocabulary is limited to about five curse words that they say over and over and over again. And if you've got that problem, wake up in the morning and take those clothes off. Filthy communicate. just talking about dirty stuff, stuff that you ought not talk about. Yeah. But you talk about it to your friends. You talk about it, nobody else hears it. God said, you better put that off. Your blasphemy, your filthy communication. He, and he's got one more, verse number nine. Lie not one to another. Quit, qu- quit your lying. <laughs> you know there's a million ways to lie. Lying is... Lying is, is uh, you know, if you tell a half-truth, that's really a whole lie. <laughs> we, are, we, we, are, we are experts at telling half the truth. And we always tell the half we want somebody to hear. Quit lying. Quit lying to your parents. Quit lying to, you, to, to, to your coworkers. Just quit lying. Quit flattering people and saying stuff you don't mean. Quit saying things to other people to get an advantage of them. How many people say certain things to other people to try to get an advantage? And they don't mean anything they're saying. God's people, we ought to tell the truth. We ought to tell people the truth. Our mouths ought to be filled with the oracles of God and the words of God. And we need to stop. We need to stop the lying talk. And quit repeating the lies of other people. He says you got to get you got to put off those clothes. So, in other words, if I read my Bible right, I wake up every morning as an angry, malice-filled, blasphemous, filthy-talking liar. <laughs> That's how I'm going to wake up in the morning. What a picture of... If he tells you to put it off, that means it's already on you. <laughs> if it's laying over there in the corner... Guys, do we know what's hanging on us by this flesh every morning we get up? Man, we have to make, if you just run into the day without meeting God and without talking to God and without yielding yourself to God, you are going into the day with some real bad clothes. Yeah. 
you don't maybe even aware that you woke up with. He says, once you put that off, it's on you. We are all such liars. We are all such bad attitude people at heart. And God says, you want to be a real Christian? Take those clothes off. But but when you do that, don't just get rid of the bad. You've got to put in the good. I don't know how fundamentalism got to the place where they thought that if I just get a lot, rid of a lot of bad things, I'm a good Christian because that's not... Christianity is not just putting off. It's putting on the character of Christ. I can put off all the bad things and be naked as a jaybird and not have the character of Christ to show forth through my life. Is that plain enough? I don't do this and I don't do it. What have you put on? And God says, all right, put off the bad. Here's what you need to put on. You ready? He says, verse number 10, and put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created Christ. He's the very image of God. We learned about that in chapter 1 and verse 5. He is that image. He said, verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. He's the new man. And he becomes my identity. I'm not a Greek, I'm not a Jew, I'm not circumcision, I'm not uncircumcision, I'm not barbarian, I'm not Scythian, I'm not bond, I'm not free. I'm just belong to Jesus. What a wonderful identity. You want identity? There's identity. Identifying. How do you identify Jesus? How about that for modern day vernacular? What, what are your pronouns? Jesus. What are you? Jesus. I, Christ is all. Christ is all. Christ is all. That's everything. Well, aren't you white privilege? No, I'm, it's Jesus. Well, what about, aren't you American? It's Jesus. You see the identity? I lose my identity in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the new man. He's all to me. And he, here's his characteristics. Verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God... Of course, Jesus Christ is God's elect, but I'm in him if I'm saved. Holy and beloved, he's holy and beloved. And so I'm accepted in the beloved, and, and I have been sanctified and made holy in him. But now this is what i got to put on. So I put off the bad clothes. Here are the good clothes I need to put on. You ready? Put on, therefore, I'm in verse 12, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. And then he says kindness. I sort of put those two together. From your innermost being, you need to be merciful to people. You know what? Guys, I, I don't wake up being merciful. 
No, I got to put that on. Isn't it so strange? I wake up with the wrong clothes and the new clothes are hanging over there. I got to go get them. You think I just wake up? I'm saved. And so I wake up and man, I wake up and I got mercy and I got kindness and I got long. No, they're hanging over there on the closet. And I have to make the effort every day, every day to get up and put off this junk that I'm wearing and put on some mercy because I'm not merciful. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. And the Lord knows driving these highways <laughs> that people have to have mercy. Your family needs mercy from you. Your brethren, the people you rub, people need mercy. You're going to need some mercy. <laughs> but you know what? We're not going to have any mercy if we don't get up in the morning and put it on. He says, bowels of mercy. That gets way down. That's the deep, innermost feelings of mercies. Because we, we don't wake up caring for people. We just don't. Kindness. Kindness. Guys, don't, don't make this hard to preach this, this evening, please. Kindness. You don't wake up kind. One guy said, I w sometimes I wake up grumpy and other times I let her sleep. But the truth is, it ain't just she's waking up grumpy. You're all waking up grumpy. You don't wake up saying, what can I do to be kind to people today? You got to put it on. It's hanging in the closet. The kindness and love of God, you've got to go put on. And we can be so right about everything that we forgot how to be kind. Speak. He says you've got to put this on. What a contrast with all these other things. He says put on bowels of mercies, put on kindness. Verse number 12, let's look at another. He says humbleness of mind, meekness. I would put those two together as well. Lord knows we don't wake up humble. I was on a mission trip one time with a missionary and I woke up, and as soon as I woke up, the missionary woke up next to me, and he rolled out of bed and hit, the, hit his hit. I mean, he hit the floor on his knees and started praying. I don't know if he had a nightmare. I don't, <laughs> but most of us don't wake up humble. You know why? Because you're not wearing it. It's got to be put on every day. If you know somebody that has humbleness of mind, you know, the Bible says that each of us are supposed to esteem other better than themselves. We would never have that type of humbleness of mind on our own. We've got to go put that on. It's, 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 it's over in the Jesus closet. And you've got to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that humbled himself. I've got to go put that on every day. And if I don't put that on every day, I'm living a proud life. Guys, all you have to do to mess up the Christian life is just coast. 
It takes effort to put on humbleness of mind. It takes effort to put on meekness. And meekness is no, there was not a meeker man than Moses, meekest man on the face of the earth. And if you study his life, people are constantly lashing out at him and he never lashes back out. And it was not because he didn't have the power. He could have raised that rod and turned them into a serpent. Any man, a man that can congeal the sea into jello, you don't want to mess with him. And when they wanted to get rid of him and lied about him, and you know what he did? He just got on his face before God and said, God, you'll have to take care of this. You know why? He was meek. I'm telling you, you and I have to put that on. We're talking about the resurrected life of Jesus. If you and I were able to rub shoulders when Jesus walked this earth, you know what we would run into? We would run into mercy. We would run into humbleness of mind. We would run into meekness. We would run into kindness. He says, it's over there in the closet, but you're going to have to put it on. Pick up another one, the last word of verse 12. This is a dirty word. Long-suffering. I put that together with the next phrase, forbearing one another. To forbear people, you've got to have long-suffering. <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about the forbearance of God in Romans chapter 2 and, verse, and chapter 3. And you know what it's talking about there? God is constantly having to restrain himself from punishing mankind. The thank God for his forbearance. He just bears it. He puts up with you and he puts up with me. He is forbearing with us. You know what he says in return? If you've got my son living inside of you, if you put on the new man, then where is the forbearing? Where is the restraint? It's hanging over there in the closet. Because though I put on the new man, his clothes are over there, and I got to wake up every day and put on forbearing one another, and I got to put on long suffering. I'm just not going to take it anymore. Boy, I'm glad. The Lord Jesus didn't say that. He says, you can live that way, but you'll have to put it on. So we need to get up in the morning and say, Lord, would you put kindness in my life? I'm going to get rid of my anger, and so I want you to put kindness. And would, Lord, I'm trying to humble myself, and I can't make it through the day without you. And Lord, all these people, help me not to lash back out at them. Help me to put the, I want that long-sufferingness to captivate my heart and help me to forbear each other, one another. Help me, help, help me to have restraint. Forbearing one another, verse 13 says, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. What a verse. But you got to put that on. <laughs> 
You're not going to wake up and say, I just forgive everybody. No, people that need to be fed under the door may wake up like that, but, but not normal people. Some emotional person that's had a nervous big wake. I just forgive everybody. No, no. You're going to have to put that. God is going to have to help you. And you're going to have to put one arm in at a time and one leg in at a time in forgiveness. You've got to put it on or, or it's not coming. But that's, that's the close of the new man. That's the life of Jesus Christ. That's the resurrected life he wants to close you with. Forgiveness. You got a quarrel, you quarrel against it. Now you can't forgive people like God forgives them. God has requirements for that. Even the church has requirements to get forgiveness and repentance and all that. But your attitude of heart, you can't go through life with an unforgiving heart. Guys, it just it's gonna affect every part of your life. I guarantee you, look, look. You know, I preach a message like I preached this morning, maybe even tonight, and somebody's afraid, well, you know, if I go to the altar, they'll think I'm guilty of that. Well, you probably are. Probably every one of us have got something stuck in our crawl that we can't forgive and that we're we just not going to let go. It's a quarrel that we have. We have a quarrel with someone. And the most dangerous quarrels are the quarrels that we never let out, but we keep on the inside of us. It's in our crawl. And it keeps me from walking close to God and having a skip in my step and a whistle in my mouth. He says, why don't you go over and put on some forgiveness? i never forget I had a, a lady I used to pastor years and years and years ago. She had a terrible childhood. And, uh, well, I won't get into that, but she was mistreated in the most severest of ways by her parents. And she got saved later on as a teenager, and she got, God gave her a good family, and she was in our church, but she always had that just, she could never get over what had been, what had happened to her. And it was just hurting her. And she'd need to go over there and find a new set of clothes to wear. He said, you got a quarrel? Won't you take that off? Guys, ultimately, don't you believe God's going to settle all the scores? I believe that. Because I believe there's a judgment day coming. I believe that. So I'm going to have to put on forgiveness. Hmm. And then he says in verse number 14, and above all these things, boy, that's really big, isn't it? (laughs) And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. If you want to know what the end, the ultimate end of the Christian life, it's going to end in charity. The very character and the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected life of the new man is embodied when we have charity 
coming out of our life. The Bible says the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. The end of the commandment. He said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8, And above all these things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Fervent charity. And the only way to have that is you've got to put it on every day. You're not going to wake up with it. This, this is Jesus. Charity is, 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 is who Jesus is. He suffereth long and is kind. He envieth not. He vaunteth not himself. He's never puffed up. He does not behave himself unseemly. He doesn't seek his own. He's not easily provoked. He thinketh no evil. He rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. He beareth all things and believeth all things and hopeth all things and endureth all things. And he never fails. And Jesus says, I got that set of clothes on over there. You want to put them on? What do you want to wear today? You don't wake up right with God. You don't wake up like Jesus. You got to put some things off and put some things on every day to live the Christian life. And the clothes are there. He made them. But you and I need to wear them. 